Hello, and welcome to the Cubicorn Games Podcast. My name is Dustin Morbido. We are recording a thing this afternoon. Amazing. Joining me to talk about video games and stuff, Lorraine Morbido is here. That is accurate. I am here. Hello. <laughs> I feel like I'm in an okay space to do this, but we just gotta like, I don't know, whenever we record, I like... I've had been so much stuff going on mm-hmm. that I never feel like I quite have the right amount of energy that I'd like. I'm like almost there. I'm like 85% <laughs> topped I mean, off. Sure. <laughs> but it's been a good couple of weeks. Yeah. Had a lot of stuff going on. Made a lot of progress. We'll talk about that in a minute on our game stuff. Played something on stream for the first time in a while, which yeah. was a lot of fun. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. And we'll still try to do a little bit of that stuff in the future when we can. Yeah. I think over the next month we'll play like, like by the end of November, let's say we'll try to play at least like one or two more things on stream, just when we find mm-hmm. the the bandwidth. But got a couple things I know I want to check out. Yeah, that's been a good time. How you been doing, Lorraine? Hanging in there, trucking along, celebrating that John Riccatello lost his job. <laughs> I saw that yeah, the other I did day. See that. Which like I don't know that the leadership of that company is going to improve meaningfully, but again, no. it's good that. It's good that Unity got clapped back for their bullshit. Uh, yeah, I'd seen this one thing him. that was like a bit of a breakdown of like a lot of like other little things like that had led to us to get here or, or yeah, them, yeah. I guess. It was just like random acquisitions and like... Yeah, the, right, every business the specific, Like the board specifically is maybe more of a problem than he was. Yeah. Like, well, that's still true because every like, company that they've absorbed or... Whatever. Yeah, like either like the when they... I forget which... Like shitty gambling adjacent things like they like tied themselves something. with, yeah, iron. and then like that was like a weird merger, and then like you said, their capital from like various mm-hmm. investment firms has led to those kinds of shitty financial people being on the board of that company, and I'm I, I'm pretty sure that's all still the same. Like I think even the guy, the interim CEO, is one of those shitty venture capital people or whatever. So yeah, Silver Lake sucks. is something, yeah, but uh, Iron Source was the monetization company yeah and the, then they got capital in the extremely short term it's still nice to see a head roll where it deserves mm. <laughs> for all the like uh you know people on the trenches getting fired from everything random game companies over the last couple months slash mm-hmm. like all year it's about time somebody who was in a decision making role who made bad got what they deserve for making yeah. a shitty decision yeah uh i guess i'll fucking take it yeah Problem's not gone, not by a long shot, but yeah, it's something. There were consequences, so more executives should lose their jobs. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, other than that, <laughs> just a steady stream of layoffs and games. It's been pretty mm-hmm. shitty. Yeah, I mean, I feel like every couple of days I'll see. Not even just like games, like a lot of media too, print specifically. I feel like I've seen a lot of uh, yeah, just I- straight cullings, and I guess I could remember which thing it was but there was like a company that just like in quotes forgot to lay people off so there was like a second like <laughs> chat like oh we made an oopsie fil- basically yeah someone was like yeah i guess they just like forgot to lay me <laughs> Wait, off you and guys now still I- work here yeah not anymore you don't pretty much i wish i could remember what company it was I- there's mm-hmm. just so much crap going around yeah so- i mean i'm gonna talk about that to some degree on youtube i still just want to do a thing eventually that's kind of like mm-hmm. more games business yeah kind of analysis on like a sort of macro level but like the yeah all those situations are shitty and like some of them are super complicated where like i'd like i wonder where mm-hmm. oh god i forget what the team is called but the guys who made fall guys like oh that group. yeah in epic 
yeah, they they had they you know Got sold like themselves absorbed, to Epic, yeah. and then I, I think they're kind of a shoestring staff now. They fired a decent number of those yeah. people, I think. Which like who knows how? Like I you know I'm not going to tell other people how to do their business necessarily. If I had the chance to sell, <laughs> if Epic came knocking with like a millions of dollars check and say, hey, we we want to buy Cubicorn Games for X amount of money, I can't say that I would turn it down out of hand. But at the same time, if they were already in a position where they had made clearly a, an, I don't actually know. I, like this is a thing I want to research. I want to mm-hmm. look into. I don't actually know what the timeline was of like did Fall Guys blow up and then they got bought, or did they get bought and then Fall Guys blew up? If it was the game was successful, and then then at that point Epic bought them for a large sum of money, uh, you have to wonder because <laughs> obviously whoever had an ownership stake made out regardless. So uh-huh. like whoever was in the in a position of that studio where they like had a chunk of it, mm-hmm. you know they're doing fine regardless. They're laughing all the way to the bank but like in terms of keeping a cohesive team together to like maintain that product or make new ones uh obviously mm-hmm. in hindsight <laughs> it was not the smartest choice maybe to sell that company out to epic but again you, you're working with the information you have on hand and like success and like guaranteed paychecks are so hard to come by in the games industry that mm-hmm. i can i can't necessarily pass judgment on anybody for uh for like taking a payout when it presents itself but like that kind of stuff is like it's just the the nightmare of making games period is that like even when you find like some amount of success and stability just kind of like with the unity thing it's just mm-hmm. all still like even at that point even if you've cleared like all the massive hurdles to get something out in the market that is like making some amount of money and getting some attention uh it's still kind of a knife's edge of like <laughs> current success does not necessarily predict like future outcomes and and I still think that like to some degree I think that lar- largely these layoffs layoffs have been caused by just like extreme short-sightedness and poor decision-making on management's part. Oh, for to, sure. To, like, focus on the wrong yeah. projects or, like, spend way too much money on too few weird games. Like, giant budgets on a smaller number of things as opposed to smaller budgets on, like, spread across more, mm-hmm. like, stable bets. Like, where, where if any individual game fails, it does not, like, <laughs> doom the company's whole financials yeah. for that year or whatever. But then they're also like not doing anything new. It's just like it's sequel after sequel. So if the big sequel we've put all of our like effort and resources into flops because it's the thirtieth of whatever thing that we've released in the past like five years, like then they're just like must be the developers who are causing us to lose revenue and they cut the entire team. And the practical realities of stuff like everybody trying to lean super hard on live service games mm. is like showing it's like Oh yeah. The market is proving that it cannot support even dozens of products like that (laughs) and so everybody don't like going that hard on that like that i think i mean it's just it's the like the streaming service yeah and a lot of a lot uh, lot of naughty dog layoffs recently were involved with that where they were they've tried to been trying to make a originally there was a a multiplayer mode planned for last of us 2 Uh which like i always forget that last of us 1 had that but it did have multiplayer lol and then they've tried to spin it off internally into like a live service game mm-hmm. that I guess that was even part of the reason that like it was a factor in Sony acquiring Bungie was like, hey, you guys can consult on games oh. such as this Last of Us live service thing to hey. kind of give us f- feedback on how we should build <laughs> these products. And the internal feedback was Bungie was like, this is not ready for prime time. Uh, and so they like, I think a lot, decent number of layoffs in that studio. Interesting that Bungie did that. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, right. What, what exactly, what passes muster although, for although, like... Uh... <laughs> although, like to their credit, they have delayed yeah. major releases to allow for more development time mm. and such and such. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is more of a jab on just Bungie and as like Right, as long-suffering Destiny players. Yeah, it's always, long-suffering. It's, al- yeah, it's, it's always funny to take a swipe at Bungie, but again, okay. they at least know. Like, they, uh, from a practical in, standpoint, yeah. they certainly have proven that they know how to make a profitable, Yeah, and in, and in the grand scheme of things, they have clearly shown to like value 
letting something cook before releasing it because like both fucking it was Beyond Light and Witch Queen were both the delayed ones, I believe. I mean, their, their track record has been mixed, but in terms of like financial well, no, success, like they have, as opposed yeah. to just like shitting something out the door and patching it later, they have decided multiple times to take extended like pushbacks of their only release <laughs> to um, probably take at least some strain off of the development side of it and also like finish something and fully realize it. Like that is sure, but I, if- I've still just generally been impressed with that willingness to do that which is not something every company does they would certainly know better than than the existing naughty dog people i would suspect having launched yes. and maintained a live service product for a very long period of time whereas nearly naughty, a decade naughty now. dog still to this date has only really launched single player s- single player focused well yeah, yeah yeah not live service games like narrative forward yeah. products that like right again the last of us technically had a multiplayer mode i, I some of the uncharted games did if not, I don't right. think the first one did. I, I'm pretty sure at least one of the sequels did. But uh, but like, does anyone remember? Have you ever met anyone <laughs> ever who was like, you know what my favorite game was? Last of Us multiplayer mode. <laughs> like, like that's not what those products are like. No. It is not the thing that people gravitated toward or about them. And so, yeah, the like Naughty Dog's ability to deliver a compelling, persistent multiplayer type yeah. experience has certainly not been borne out, I don't think. And so, yeah, if folks at Bungie kind of like, you know, some amount of that team went over and did like a, you know, an autopsy of what they've got so far. It was mm-hmm. like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> Probably take their word for it at that point. But then also, it just sucks to see people lose their jobs, period. But yeah. but that said, if that product never materializes, you know, I don't think the world will necessarily be terribly worse for it. Because <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's the that's the big, like I said, I think that, that studio heads and like people above them like running the financials are really fucking up in a lot of cases in terms of picking projects and scoping them. Yeah. But at the same time, there is also a, a brutal truth that for a long time coming, I think the game industry has needed some contraction. Mm. That there are there are more games out than people are to play them. There just yeah. are. And again, from the indie side of things, I'm always still glad that people are getting their stuff out there. Mm-hmm. And you know, if you happen that's, to break through and- That is just so, that's such a different prospect though. Like the smaller projects versus the like an infinite stream of AAA games that are coming out constantly that all require like hundreds upon hundreds of hours playtime to be worth it versus like the a player base uh, vast enough to maintain the infinite number of live service games that well, they're sure. also pooping out. But I like from a, and that's an interesting- like uh, my my the point that I'm ultimately trying to make there is that like the downforce on hours that can be played per like day like indie games push on that in the same way that like Halo Infinite does of like if you you might find that you that va- Vampire Survivors is a game you put a hundred hours into mm-hmm. and you love with all your heart just as easily as you might find that like Destiny mm-hmm. or Halo Infinite or The Last of Us multiplayer mode or whatever. <laughs> uh, but obviously those games, you know, they don't have the market forces mm-hmm. of, uh, like, most of them are made for the love of it, which is still unfortunate that, like, so many indie projects can't be self-sustaining. Yeah. Like, that is the, again, that is a problem, that there is no real solution for it other than, like, either get, they will can have to be, like, passion projects and, like, very mm-hmm. niche side things for the majority of people that make them, or there will have to be a market contraction so vast... <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> that eventually an equilibrium is reached where like a significant quantity of the indie games released are able to find like some yeah. amount of self-sustaining revenue because there are now way fewer of them. And again, I don't necessarily see that happening no. in the indie space at any point, but it does make an interesting argument for um 
like people on the money side who just want to put money into projects. Whereas like, I think we're finding out now that like, if you just want to get a return on your investment, the right answer is probably to not fund video games. Yeah. <laughs> if, if your only goal is to get like, you know, six, 7% returns or whatever, uh, just like invest in like the S&P generally and wait 20 years or mm-hmm. whatever, or like, you know, well, I think, you I can feel get a little like... bit less than that just in a savings account, but. I feel like it's always been seen, at least like contemporarily, like once the big, like the original video game crash happened, like, and it kind of became like a, just another media that people like are aware of and are around. Like, I feel like it was always kind of seen more as just like a untapped money pot in a lot of ways, because it's like when things hit big, they hit really big in a way that's different from like very popular movies and books and songs and shit like that. There's something different specifically about games where it's almost like a um, like a fad type thing craze when something really pops off because there's so much like unilateral like appeal across like a variety of demographics, age ranges, all that shit. So Anyone who wants to make a lot of money very quickly could see that as like, oh, this could be the next, just like the next Mario or the next Pokemon or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like there, everyone on the investor side, I feel like is just so hungry for that boom that they're just like looking at, they're constantly looking at everything and be like, oh, well, the, the potential's here. Let's just shit money all over this and... We'll make it back and more because when a game does good, a game does great. And like, this is the makings of being one of those, but without any like actual context for like the rest of the market, like how that type of thing is being perceived, what the actual, what the team can um, actually make in the time frame, how much other constraints are coming in, where like there's so many other factors that. Much like a movie or like anything else, like any other kind of like production that goes into stuff, like a multi-person endeavor, like a stage performance or whatever. There's so many other factors, so many different teams coming together and mushing together to make a thing. And that I feel like isn't like, I don't know, just that's why we have crunch. (laughs) That's why all that other shit happens is because the squeeze is put on the worst parts what make the car go and then the car can't go and then they lay everyone off. Yeah. And the interesting thing about games, the games business has shares a lot of the same problems as Hollywood does, mm. but also has some unique opportunities that I think if people were smart about it, they could capitalize and people actually, smart. Uh, you know, make some safer, smarter bets and take some, some more uh, tactile, clever swings at stuff is like Hollywood is like the, the where and the way they are the same is that like Hollywood and games both have like really locked in on, enormously budgeted projects mm-hmm. like fewer bigger projects that if they fail leave just a tremendous yeah. gulf in their wake of like oh we mm-hmm. lost hundreds of millions of dollars on this mm-hmm. We're, but the the thing that hollywood is lacking that i that games could capitalize on is that like even the indie space in hollywood has become so like the indie movie scene is fucking it's in a way worse shape than the games games yeah. business mostly because the logistics like the the floor is higher in terms mm-hmm. of like budgets and the like entry, resources yeah. for that where like you know to make an indie movie you still need hundreds of thousands of dollars to make an absolutely like shoestring film yeah and you know at least a couple million to make something that's like that most people would expect to see in mm-hmm. a theater where you know you need 
cameras and you need yeah, sets or shooting locations. Like you need actors. You need all <laughs> distribu- oh. distribution of it. Yeah, it's so, it's still ultimately yeah. like some amount of money needs to be put up. Yeah, to make like a like a serviceable, high quality movie product. Whereas with games, it's like like you know, one person in one room with one computer mm-hmm. can make a deeply compelling product. Yeah, and so you can. You could play if you have a hundred million dollars to throw around. You can fund half of a Last of Us <laughs> tier product, mm-hmm. or you could fund a hundred indie games here or there that are spread between like small teams to like yeah. individual people, and then like you know you've at least diversified your risk of mm-hmm. like all right, well we've we're throwing a ton of shit at the wall, and you know like you said, fingers crossed, you get that one thing that you know ten x's to a hundred x's its budget or whatever that knocks it out of the park. But like that's where like. The point being that, like, because the games business, by nature of the technology and the requirements to make something being so different, is way more decentralized than filmmaking. Yeah. Like, there is at least that, like, that opportunity for people with money to say, like, hey, if I want to be in the business of making games, here is a way I could spend my money differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whereas, like I said, because to some degree... Even indie filmmaking is still explicitly tied to Hollywood, and because yeah. Hollywood has done such a shit job of <laughs> fostering, of fostering that fostering it, yeah. that environment, yeah, the benefit to the to the indie game scene is that it, in many cases, does not require the level of capital and resources mm-hmm. to make a really well made, compelling product that like small and I think, scale. Filmmaking I think in does. some ways that is due to like just the the newness of the industry compared to like film and everything else. But also, I think the like the oldness of it is just like it's already it's an established club. Like there are rules, there are ways that you have to interact with it in order to get anything done outside of somehow like just striking it viral these days, honestly, like because like you could do like a essentially like a one man or a few man show like a movie or whatever you could make that and it could just be like the most profound thing or the funniest thing or whatever it could hit it big the way that an indie game does but that doesn't mean almost anything for like a career outside of that because you didn't go through the channels you didn't go through like the normal ways whereas those ways like you said just don't exist more or less for games, like yeah. Well, the other thing that games the idea have... of like the little like project in a garage type thing is kind of so intrinsically tied to tech that like anyone can kind of raise through those ranks through a product alone rather than having like a vast web of connections that they do very much help. Yeah, the other thing that games have going for them from a business side of things that movies don't. That still remains largely unwritten in games, but at least to date, we haven't gotten to that point yet, is that like the concept of paying for an individual product in the game space has not been diluted in the same way that in movies movies it's like streaming or nothing mm. like the, the the way the studios have backed themselves into this corner of like they have conditioned people to never pay for an individual film yeah most of the time like they have conditioned people to if they go to the movies at all only go when it's big gigantic expensive movies yeah. and in their like fr- personal like uh, after the fact consumption to only consume movies later, like in a home context, for the most part mm-hmm. on a streaming platform and not like by going out to buying a Blu-ray or a DVD yeah. or whatever. The bonuses of streaming are that you get people's credit card on file, but the yeah. negatives are that like you cannot count on <laughs> mm-hmm. selling people like, you know, 100,000 copies of a film or whatever like that. That revenue stream has eroded and it's, uh, you know, Xbox is trying to do that. Like they're still whittling away at like the Game Pass thing. Yeah. And, you know, if Microsoft has their way 10 years from now, 
that'll be the state the game industry sent to, which I do not think would be to its benefit if that's what ends up happening. Because yeah. uh, look at again, look at the look at what it's done to movies. Look at what's done to music. Of like, oh yeah, the like all in one buy one subscription service and consume all content on earth has has proved financially to be unsustainable for every medium that is abs- mm-hmm. <laughs> that has tried to go that route so i i maybe hope that we don't maybe this time it'll be games. different yeah. maybe uh, we'll crack the code cuz we're smarter than those other industries we're all <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see like i said that is extremely up in the air still oh yeah so knows. many things are who it's knows great. how that stuff's going to look 5 or 10 years from now but can say it is interesting and weird it's interesting and bad I'd say in more regards, but yeah, but uh, shrug. games business, it's a mess. So yes, again, good luck if you're out there making stuff. Hell yeah, on your own. Good luck if you're looking for work. If you got just recently got shit canned by yeah some idiot Anyone? who's got way too much money. <laughs> There's yeah. so many, and yeah, just it's gonna be weird for a while, probably quite some time. Like unless until and if uh, you know, we ever get back into the mode where like sub two percent interest rates. Or like uh, taking out loans is basically free again, and like venture capital loses its mind. Like, you know, then then at that point, it's a whole different argument. But mm-hmm. again, not that people want to make the same shitty decisions. Oh but no, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there will still, there will potentially be more money around to throw at <laughs> shitty decisions at mm-hmm. some point in the future. We'll we'll see. But uh, yeah. In any case, uh, we're gonna keep making stuff. Hell yeah! To the best of our ability. That's true. <laughs> And like I said, things have been coming along with Cucumber in the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a, a content light, polish heavy build, mm-hmm. I think, coming to November. Because like I said, I'm if I can get find the time, I still want to make a couple more secret levels for Tower 1. But yeah. for the most part, it's a lot of little refinements, like the little tweaks to the camera that I'm hoping will work out mm-hmm. well in the long run. I forgot that uh, was a few days. Everything just blurs together. Yeah, man. fixing bugs and polishing off um, rough ev- edges on like, some of Cucumber's inputs. I am really darn close, I think, to like, if not final, then close to final version of like how his uppercut will ultimately mm-hmm. work. Because that was the, of his, all of his abilities, that was the uh, one that was the jankiest. least. Yeah, the least refined. It had the least repetition and had the least. Care? Yeah. Just like had the least, like I had a pretty concrete vision of how and why the other ones all mm-hmm. exist and work the way they, ways they did. And I, I knew at the end of the day I wanted this to be like your most upward moving movement option. Sure. But that was kind of it, and the way it was working in practice before, just like the nature of like how much mm-hmm. downforce to apply when you hit stuff, and like how weird the startup is. Like I'm closing in on making it much more usable. Yeah, it wasn't like just full. It was there because it was going to be there, and just wasn't fully realized at the time. But I think like because the, the changes you showed me yesterday, I did like. Um, I've been hard at work at actually building the Tower Three boss in like actuality you've got a lot of final character assets done yeah i think i've got i have to do like again just because i did a lot of um what made it go faster just because the nature of that boss in particular is how rigid most of it is not a lot of it animates when it goes through motion um so i didn't have to like recolor everything in a lot of regards, which helped a lot. It sped that process up so much. Because there are a lot of frames. He's got a lot of animations. But in doing that, I might not have fully um, erased everything around him, which was the, like, final touches I was doing, like, that went a little bit longer than I had intended yesterday. Ended up turning a, like, (laughs) two-hour stint of working into three. But I'm... 
I'm happy with where it came out and like the I mean I was honestly still very happy with the the base animations that I had like scribbled together for him I feel like it captured what I wanted out of that and seeing them in motion even in that rougher state was really nice so I'm I'm I am also pleased with the um the version that they are in now but I need to I want to do another like quick little cleanup of that and then also I need to draw the damageable part of the boss and a few other random like effect things that will go on with that but I'm yeah I've made a lot of progress over the past like maybe five or so days I don't even remember maybe it's more like a week um Mm -hmm. where I really like knuckled down and got to work on that because it was like it any amount of a lot like a large amount for a single character is a lot like the cucumber redraw specifically took a long time because he's got a lot of different little things he can do and it just gets kind of like i just feel like i'm staring into the distance and like brian said maybe going like slightly cross-eyed just trying to like really hone in and like check everything against each other to make sure it's consistent and also like make sure that everything looks like good and i didn't like waste a lot of time like hand coloring in things I didn't need to if I can just like speed it up a little bit I'll try to do my best mm-hmm. just for my own sanity if nothing else yeah and again we I wanted to go bigger more more frames more actions mm-hmm. a more active kind of fight than like the stuff we've done for the mm-hmm. other the other encounters this boss is the whole reason that, for this all the asset redraws that I've been doing well right with that scope expansion we yeah. needed to we did need to change up kind of like our pipeline or mm-hmm. like content creation process because again the other ones are so limited that like we had an idea for like setting up a scene and i was like all right we have these couple things you know lay out some gameplay stuff and then you basically made like final assets mm-hmm. like we went from design to implementation from the art sense from like a pitch to like final final asset for kind of everything we did and for this we did a much more incremental like i pitched a base level of gameplay stuff and we kind of worked that out together and then you gave me like preliminary art that we tried out in real time and were able to see what worked at least from a base pass and what didn't like what we needed and what we didn't from my whole process standpoint. I think this was a really smart evolution that we can do for like future, like more complex enemies or bosses mm-hmm. or whatever. Well, the other thing is cause like just the, the other bosses design wise are fairly simple because they are just a character. Yeah. That's it. Where this is like a two, like, yeah, they're relatively, they're, they're two things in regard to yeah. this it's the the actual boss and then the suit the other yeah the other fights are like relatively stationary enemies themselves mm-hmm. that like the environment does a little more of the like tells and like mm-hmm. it conveys more information to the player yeah it's more of like the other fights are more of a puzzle than an actual like mm-hmm. fight where this is i think we've considerably called it just a combat encounter yeah it feels yeah. more like a traditional like when you think of video game boss fights mm-hmm. You think of fighting another character that has like a more expansive skill set, oh, mm-hmm. and like health threshold, and like the rank and file enemies you have you fight in the game, and this is more like that than like you said the other things, which are kind of like single screen, mm-hmm. uh, as much like puzzles or whatever as anything else. Oh, but I like it. Yeah, I think it's coming along well, and like I said, I think that's those two things are good. Oh, that like. The final product is coming out well, and that the the process to get there, mm-hmm. I think we improved it. <laughs> so I'll definitely take that for sure. Like I said, I think I know we saved you some effort that you wouldn't have needed to do. 
And the other thing that was helpful about the like sketch into final thing is like unlike everything else there were no original sprites i was working off of i didn't do any preliminary work for this because this is a complete redesign of the original boss idea that we had had for tower three so having that like rough as they were a basic outline of what i was doing made the finalization process a lot quicker because like technically i did do that with all of the other ones it was just in a much looser more contained um, environment because I was just like, we knew what we needed. So I would just sketch it out, granted, in paint.net, not a like super robust program like I'm using now with Clip Studio. But um, like the, the process for me was technically there. It just was never implemented before I finished it because like, again, it was more of just like we knew what we needed and it was a lot more boilerplate and not as complex as what we were trying to accomplish with this fight. But I think it worked out. Yeah, it's coming together. It's doing something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll have a lot, a lot of stuff like that. Beams. A lot of uh, small incremental updates to things that are kind of already in the game. Mm-hmm. This is what's coming in November. And so, Woo. if you want to check that out, you can uh, come see us at Yumicon in downtown Detroit. Yeah. The weekend of November fifth, I think. Um. Third, fifth. It's the weekend after Halloween. And then, uh, it's the second through the fifth. There you go. So you Sorry, come. I was charging up a laser right there. <laughs> come check us out there at downtown Detroit or go to cubecorngames.com. Uh, click the Discord button. Discord. Discord. <laughs> click the Discord the button. Cubecorn Discord. At the top of the page and join our Discord server where we're posting those builds, posting a new build every month or two. Yeah. So there'll be a new build up in early November that we're showing yeah. off that weekend. The build that's up right now is the one we showed off at the Cleveland Gaming Classic last month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's kind of. Said our updates. That's what we're messing with. And then over the last week, we also played our first game on stream in quite a while. Yeah. We played the Boundary Condition. Hell yeah. Uh, which, again, is a thing that I had played. Because uh, I couldn't remember if you said you'd never actually played it. But uh, no, I, I played Andrew's build of it quite some time ago in Ju- June-ish 2022. That would have been right. Yeah, the first Judex we went to. First Judex he went to as well, I believe. There you go. It was uh, his first show. Yeah, and so he's a developer we've exhibited near for a couple of shows now. And Located then, in Ohio. Yeah, finally gave that game a, a shot. In uh, in, its in, in, in totality. Cause I don't yeah, think a longer sit Neither down, of right. us played it at either more, G-Dex right. or the Cleveland. Yeah, of a more mature build this year. And so uh, the, the Boundary Condition is a 3D... 2D, 1D. <laughs> 3D, 2D, 1D. It's a 3D... Uh, it's a it's a puzzle perspective dimension shifting puzzle yeah puzzle game that like I, I guess it is a platformer in the sense that you can you jump, jump there are it, platforms it is more of a much more of a puzzle game than a platformer although the other sequence is still in it too where it's kind of like got a like a on rails it's a puzzle platform kind of platformer I, sort of thing. if you could jump and there are floating <laughs> platforms is a platformer but very much puzzle forward yes and that. As Lorraine said, 3D, 2D, 1D. You basically play as a this cute little round blob, I love blob him. dude. I don't know if he has a um, name. You have to n- navigate through a series of puzzle platforming sequences where to get from point A to point B, you have to activate abilities that shift the perspective of the camera mm-hmm. and kind of smoosh the game world yeah, into flattening it to either like yeah into the shape a straight that you line need it to be. or just a like 2D like flat plane or into the third dimensional one. Yeah, and then verbally. Like I said, you can wa- check out uh, Cubicord Games on YouTube if you want to see footage of it. But yep. verbally, the the best I can try to convey how it works is that like 
So it start you'll at base layer you'll start Imagine off with a, in a 3D super world super paper Mario <laughs> something like that. But you'll start off at a 3D world with a 3D camera and a 3D character. Mm-hmm. He and is the, round. And then the most basic shift you can do to that uh, to that world is like you said is is kind of like a, a paper Mario esque thing where you you shift the whole thing to a 2D perspective. You basically slice a cross section of the entire world, mm-hmm. the 3D plane into a 2D plane. And then so for example, if you were looking at something that is like a like ramp upward, like mm-hmm. basically a triangle shaped thing in the environment, and you ch- sliced any cross section of it, what you'd basically create then is like a rectangular platform. Mm-hmm. Like you would take that chunk and and put it on its own plane. Then at that point, you only interact with from that two D plane. So you're not like sliding forward or backwards down. Mm-hmm. You know what used to be an incline. You are landing on the rectangular cross section of that 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 platform in two D. And in, in practice, it's really neat. Like it's a yeah. Oh, uh, the the shift between them is cool looking, and it really it does have that portal antechamber like those kind of games where you mm-hmm. like really need to puzzle out what thing you need to activate where to to get the result you need. And like I said, that's the first the first time we'd played a big chunk of it because the that mo- much more that much earlier build we had played at that first GDEX show mm-hmm. was a tiny little cross section, and we only played fifteen minutes of it. Or well, I think there were only maybe yeah, there might like, have been, we might have played all there was. At I that think point, you did. But it was, there was much less of it then because I think it ended with that little sequence. Yeah, the, the platforming sequence, the one. more yeah, the auto scrolling thing. Whereas now I think there's like sixteen or seventeen Something little like puzzles that. in addition to that that little sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for the most part, it's coming along really well. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like the the linear curve upward, generally speaking, of like introduce a mechanic, you know, mm-hmm. five or six times in a row, and then like start expanding on mm-hmm. like using them together or. Uh, just like using them in a more freeform manner, whereas first it's kind of like it'll force you to just like, all right, yeah, touch have, this thing in the environment yeah. and create a 2D plane uh, to like after you've kind of been introduced to all the base mechanics, then it gives them all to you to use manually. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. now you can pull up a little wheel and like at any point shift from 3D to 2D, 2D to 1D. Uh, and then there are also times where like they will railroad you into using only a subset one of the abilities yeah. or like. To get through a certain door, you have to go into this state or whatever. Or then there's the the blocks that will like lock to whatever plane you're shifting to. So like you can't just kind of skirt around them. You have to deal with them no yeah. matter what uh, dimension you're on. And overall, I had a lot of fun messing yes. with it. Like I said, I think the logic of the puzzles is for the most part really well put together yes. and well thought out. The roughest edges I think we played found in that build were more tactile. Mm. than anything usability yeah like you like stuff like that and that's one of the reasons i like you said i it is a puzzle platformer but i'm straying away from the platforming part because my it it is like it's basically like a miniature rubik's cube that you're trying to yeah, solve well, the part of that like, game that i think is putting forward more of itself is the puzzly part yes than the platforming part like it doesn't feel like a thing that is going to emphasize exacting it's, inputs yeah, at like it's a very not particular about moment reactionary inputs yeah to the point that like the one of the best things in that build i think is the um the toggleable slowdown mm. when you're like are ho- kind of holding a trigger or whatever to set up uh to to set up your perspective shift yeah that was not in the build we played last year mm-hmm. but whenever that got put in there that was a really great idea to help you fine tune yeah, because uh, there's certain times where, like, if you, because again, with like fine tune your positioning and stuff. Um, when you've got the wheel available, it will present you with a grid that just extends out from you for forever, that will show you where the cross section you're cutting is. So, like, oh, you've got this ramp, but it's like really tall. 
So you couldn't just like, you won't be able to clear it if you just like cut a little bit. You need to get up to like the height of your jump so you know how high you can go and then cut there to make sure you can step up. Yeah, Um, and again, the point is to like understand the solution and apply the right tool, mm -hmm. not necessarily to have like a like a one frame link like fighting game style like mm-hmm. all right I have a sixtieth of a second to hit this uh, and so having stuff like that in there is a great great idea to like smooth out the the de- dexterity part of it mm-hmm. and, and kind of defer to the puzzle yeah. part of it and to that like concept I do think that the like the auto scrolling sequence is actually really well done because it is kind of like more reactionary obviously than everything else. But there are also moments where, like, because when you shift, like, you're not getting pushed forward anymore. So to, like, there are certain, you'll be presented with, like, the little, um, this is before the wheel gets introduced. I think it maybe even comes in after this specifically, where you'll be presented with, like, three, you'll, like, shift into a different plane and you'll have three options or so of what you can do to move forward. Like, maybe only one of them is correct, but you're then, you then have to take that information and use that to then move yourself forward but it is a pause like you can kind of like just sit there for a second and then go on and then continue through the rest of the little like obstacle course that you're faced with yeah i think that was a nice little change of pace thing that like the fact that's optional now is probably smart but at least it's at least smart to like if not make it explicitly optional at least to like show it the way that it's kind of visually displayed is a different thing you can do that that feel that is like when you enter that area it's different than going to another puzzle section i think is Mm -hmm. smart to have like segregated that stuff off and like to show people like all right this is kind of a different vibe but Mm -hmm. like ultimately using the same mechanics yeah i think it's cool and then like i said the of the build that we played right now i think there are just some rough edges that need to be sanded off in terms of like at least just maybe not just like smoothed out i think is a better well there's like the the things with the camera like being I mean, that's still in those just environments like... is just like it can be hard visually to line up in some of those tighter spaces. Mm-hmm. Like that was the one thing I had really had a problem with of trying to line up that. Um, there was a point where you had to do like a a one D section, which is basically like mm-hmm. you're kind of shooting yourself as like a single vector, basically through a hole. You're, you're making <laughs> you're turning the entire world into a line. Yeah, basically. into like a line. Yeah. So like. Any switches or whatever, like little like transformy things, are still there. The end goal is still there if mm-hmm. it's in your little like single point of um, of movement. But so are any blockades. So if there's a wall in the way, it will still be there. And that's the kind of thing where, upon thinking about it more, I think you could actually just get away with. Because, like I said, at some points the the camera being a little weird when you like have to turn it constricted like tight spaces felt a felt a little like just felt hard to line mm-hmm. line stuff up a small handful of times yeah but like with that ability specifically i think another another thing you could do is rely on um just like make slightly more generous hitboxes for that stuff that kind of looks so it will self-correct you a little bit mm-hmm. whereas right now it feels and i don't know this i'm i'm inferring basically based on like the sensation of like yeah. when we played it it feels like when you lock yourself into that 1d mode that it is an exact, like, you know, it's taking it, whatever exact point in physical space you I'm are. I'm assuming it probably is. And locking that in, and yeah. then you will be relative to the exact physical dimensions of whatever, you know, space you need to get through. Because they mm. are tiny little, 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 like, you know, I'm holding up <laughs> my hand to show it. There, t- It's a tiny little hole you have to shoot through. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think if you even just put, like, trigger volumes or hit volumes or something that are, like, 10 to 15% larger than the space you need yeah. to hit and like if you hit any part of that collider it kind of like auto corrects you to the exact center point you need or if you even just like made the like the reticle that you're using to line up a little bit bigger and if that then yeah right because that was the other thing because vis- there. Vis- like, there was one sequence like pretty late in there where you're like 
on top of a thing and you're shooting across the room essentially to like the thinnest little line between two panes of glass which because they were glass made it hard to like really visualize a white line across there Mm -hmm. and like i had pointed out to dustin during um the stream is that when one of those either the grid or the line intersects with something there's a small rainbow edge which again was extremely hard to see on the clear (laughs) pane of glass or the um the translucent pane of glass that the wall was so even if it was a little bit bigger and maybe the like effect was a little bigger because like it makes sense on the grid because the grid is so big Mm -hmm. but that line is so small (laughs) that like the any points of contact that it's making even if they are technically visible with that little kind of rainbow edge to it like it is if you're not up against the wall you're not gonna see it which in that case you're not supposed to be because there is a literal gap that you're trying to cross and you can't get over there on literally any other dimension because of the walls in the way and um just the fact that it's open sure you're basically staying on top of a tower Mm -hmm. and then the last thing i was going to say about a specific gameplay sequence that i had i thought a lot about after we played Mm -hmm. it because i think that was the only part of the stream andrew caught live (laughs) Uh, because he had he had been doing some other stuff with his family uh but he had just like i think his wife had it on in the background and he had just like walked to the door kind of as we were wrapping up uh but that very last puzzle i think it is where uh currently it's like you have to like smush yourself back into 3d mode basically do you know what i'm talking about oh yeah basically pretty much every puzzle up to that point is just explicitly like use the mechanics as they are explicitly intended just kind of in the right places or in the right orders and this is a puzzle where it's more basically there are uh laid into this demo there are points where when you shift perspective there is geometry in the environment that'll kind of like snap itself yeah the new perspective you're snapping into kind of like almost like disco ball-y kind of pulsating blocks that are you've used up for a handful of puzzles until Mm -hmm. now in a variety of different ways i do think they're very creative i like no they're very smart and very Mm -hmm. clever and they're like base layer of use in quotes is that like you kind of obstacles you kind of use them to move geometry in a weirder way than Mm -hmm. just like they can can touch switches when you flatten the world a certain way um, yeah. You can use them like to pull them to different sides of the room to make platforming sequences mm-hmm. actually accessible. Like yeah, and like a f- and basically how it works in the game is like as a kind of like fall through state to stop you from like soft locking or like mm-hmm. anything else weird happening with the geometry. If you try to like if you overlap, them. yeah. If you try to like, go from say 3D to snap into a 2D place where like they would overlap in an impossible way, particularly with your character. So like mm-hmm. if, if one of those pieces like, like blocks or whatever would, would overlap in a way that would like trap you permanently inside its geometry or whatever. An example, it, you're standing on top of one of those blocks because they don't hurt you, mm-hmm. standing on top of it and you try to go to a full on like Zelda top down perspective, flattening it that way. You cannot be standing on top of that block with the flat. It will recognize you're there and then pull you back to 3D from there. And that can happen with if it's like coming at you to be like a like if you're going to like a Mario side perspective, like all of that. Like it will if you are going to be overlapping when the world compresses into a flattened plane, it will technically do it, but then stop you. Yeah. Um, it'll just bounce you back to to 3D. And the way it presents itself in the game, like I said, it feel, it's more like a fall-through state. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, we're not going to let you like actually break the game to the point where you can't play it. So instead of like snapping you into an impossible-to-navigate 2D plane, mm-hmm. we're just going to ro- re- rewind back to 3D. Like We're going to say, nope, like mm-hmm. you can't actually do that. 
in this exact positioning, you need to like reline yourself up a little bit. And the last puzzle in this build requires you to do that explicitly to like force snap yourself back from 2D to 3D to like put yourself in a new position to solve a puzzle. Mm -hmm. And after thinking, like kind of sitting on it, stewing on it for yeah. a while, I think my initial like leaning was more negative. don't do that stuff. Yeah. Not not even negative, just like adverse. Like, it was a you like kind of like jerked back, and we're just kind of like not really and not really vibing with it. It, it, it so my yeah my initial take was I think like don't do that my my more evolved nuanced mm -hmm. take after thinking about it for a little bit is don't do that there at that point in the game probably mm -hmm. and this is also speaking to the fact that I don't actually know what the final vision for is for how big the game is uh -huh. going to be like how many puzzles like how many different variations on stuff so we should see if we can overlap schedules with Andrew because I would love like we've chatted with him multiple times again always yeah, he's at a, shows he's a developer I want to have on the podcast at some yes. point I don't know if I it'll be really, before the game really comes out or definitely after brain. it if we if we don't do that at some point before the game releases yeah. I would love to have him on I'd at love to minimum when the boundary condition is like final and shift or whatever yeah. speaking in relative terms like so however however big the game yeah. is going to be my, and the, I'm just speaking, like I said, I don't know this. Purely, I'm just like kind of guesstimating. Mm -hmm. I would suspect the amount of the game that exists right now is probably like half or less than half of the content that will be in the game at minimum. Like I, 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 just, I was kind of like in my just, complete, again, completely guesstimating scope. I was kind of vibing like a third. Yeah, right. I, like, that's a that, good another. That yeah, feels we, right. The amount of content that's in there may be around a third of the game. Mm -hmm. If you're going to have a, a mechanic subversion this weird in the game, I think it's fine if it's like... Far into if it's but somewhere between the last third and the last quarter, like if it exists in like the last twenty five percent ish of the game, where you've really worn down, like you kind of you've really firmly packed and beaten in mm -hmm. all the mechanics that you've introduced, and like now it's time to get weird. I think it's fine to do that there. If this is like we're hypothesizing where this is about the first third of the game, I think it is too early in the game's like play time span to introduce something that weird. That. Or you do it immediately. You either do it, like, you either let the kind of general, like, rules settle and cook for a little bit, or the same level you introduce them kind of be like, oh, and you can also do this with them, but then maybe not really incorporate that until a much later... That is thing. a possibility, and I'll tell you the reason I don't necessarily think that's the answer, and it's because of a thing we did in Cucumber. <laughs> like, this is ultimately where I... Where I oh. Like went with this is a decision we made in Cucumber relatively recently. It was for the GDX or not the GDX mm -hmm. build, the, um, the Cleveland Gaming Classic build. Even I think is like so. There's like really nuanced mechanics with how Cucumber's like some of his attacks work relative to like his other movement abilities. Where if you uh, like dash cancel out of certain attacks while you're doing them, it basically like segues into a like a way to do even more actions like without kind of hitting the ground or stopping or whatever. And in my mind initially, I was like. Oh well, that's a part of dashing. So as soon as you get the ability to like air dash, uh, we should tell you every single mm -hmm. possible little thing you can do with air dashing. And in the earlier build of those levels, it just clearly wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Like people were not getting, like it was too much, too fast. And that mm -hmm. was an explicit note we got from some of the people uh, when we pitched the game at uh, a show we were trying to show it to. Like they kind of mm -hmm. gave us like feedback after the fact, and they and that was an explicit note that somebody gave gave me mm -hmm. that I was like, I knew it wasn't working, but having them tell me that just in those terms just like mm -hmm. this feels like too much too fast i was like okay noted <laughs> and, and so that stuff's going to still be in the game mm -hmm. and it's even going to still be explicitly tutorialized eventually but it is going to be way offloaded to like into the last half of the game let's mm -hmm. say as opposed to like in the first 20 percent of it yeah um and so knowing that we made that decision 
that is where my instinct mm-hmm. now for this mechanic would be to do something more like that. Because the only other, like, the only thing that I see this as being, I do, un- I, I get that, and I do appreciate that. And yes, that was a very important conscious decision we made that we needed an outside perspective to look in on. Because again, I'm doing most of the playtesting, and my <laughs> muscle memory is crazy after like 10 years of making and playing this game. But the only thing that's a little bit different, I think, in this regard is because it's not a reactionary type thing, where this is just kind of like a concept in general. Because another thing that they like kind of teach you, which is sort of in line with this, is the fact that you can hit press buttons with them which I just kind of guessed at when we were working at it. Like it feels in the vein of that, that I could see it popping up very early on with this and not seeing it Mm -hmm. being as much of a problem. Like I, I know I didn't have as big of a, like kind of like flinch back that you did. And I don't know if that's just because I maybe play more puzzle games or just play them differently than you. Could be potentially a little, both of those. And I, I like, where I've got like, because like I mean, there were certain puzzles where like I know I like took the reins on a handful of them. Like I wasn't playing, but I was like guiding through the sequence. And I mean, like it was it was a group mm. effort because we were both like experiencing the game together. Yeah, and I'll like similarly, I'll like agree and disagree with you on that for, from that same note because I do think there's an like you said, obviously the the challenges are different. Mm-hmm. Of like the thing in cucumber is a, is very much like a oh you didn't need to get, get your fingers to do this mm-hmm. to some degree and like I um, can do the sequence that like you had put in there yeah it does take me a few times sometimes because it is like it's a very tight sequence uh huh and then and then the boundary condition this puzzle is more cerebral mm-hmm. but uh, again I will go back to say that I think what ultimately is happening here is that like it is how how low do you want the skill floor to be that's, that's for this fair. product mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's a tactile thing or whether it's like a mental challenge mm-hmm. and I think if you want it to be if you want to make a less approachable thing then go like not, you can ramp it up more go quickly like Talos principle and, it, and right not and if anyone. you want to make a more generally approachable thing where like people like lay people who are not necessarily as familiar with the specific genre of game you're building if you want them to be able to get something more out of this product you smooth this then slope. i would smooth the curve yeah. yeah and so that's where i would say like i said my 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 advice at this point would be don't take that puzzle out of the game entirely but where i would lean is to backload it mm-hmm. backload something that weird personally that's where i would go with it but again like that's that's relative to who you want to target with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want it to be more for like a general audience's kind of thing, that would definitely be my advice. If you're a little more comfortable, uh, or like if your tar- true target audience for this is like people who are like are speed running portal or games mm-hmm. like that, or people who are like really, really into like mind bendy stuff. Because that, that's the thing here is that like, like I said, the game Bound Condition isn't a super tactile intensive game, but it is a very mentally intensive yeah. game. Like it is still a lot to wrap your head around how like mm-hmm. weird and unique the mechanics are. And so. Again, if you want it to just be more of a, like, to try to capture as many people as possible, I would say don't dumb down the mechanics, but really spread them out. Like, take your take that piece of bread and really <laughs> take liberties to spread that stuff thin and far. Like, uh, like don't, f- don't be afraid of being too slow for people, because I think it's mm-hmm. more likely that you'll accidentally do the opposite and, yeah. like, overwhelm people than, like, underwhelm them with a game that has so much going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's pretty much where I'm kind of at with the boundary condition. Do you have any other thoughts or anything? It's still really cool. That game is really neat. Mm-hmm. You can check it out now. Yeah, uh, it's on Itch. Just search for The Boundary yeah. Condition on Itch. You can wishlist it on Steam. Yep. It is available there to like <laughs> indicate your interest in. And Hell yeah. It'll be out at some point in the future. So yeah, I think that's going to do it for that game for now. But uh, 
thank you to Andrew for reaching out and letting yes. us know he had a build ready. Like I said, I we will, at some point we will negotiate. We'll have him on the podcast at some mm-hmm. point. I would like to talk to him. A little uh, bit. Yeah, because again, like I've I've had fits and starts of being able to chat with him around like slower times at tables because mm-hmm. we've been like physically near him on two separate occasions now. But again, it's still it's just such a different environment of you like trying to like keep an eye on your setup. Is someone here to play? Do I need to interact with someone? And like we are exhausted because we've been on our feet and talking with people literally for like three days. Yeah, so we'll we'll figure that yeah. out for sure. And again, my like my initial instinct is to talk to people after games are out, just because mm-hmm. it's a very easy like you can do a what went right, what went wrong. Yeah. Like you can very easily do hit him with po- that postmortem, right? A, a straightforward postmortem conversation where it's talking about other people's games that are in flux is just like. It's just much looser, so you have to yeah. like do more setup. I feel like ahead of time to mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of predefine what you want to even discuss about the project. But then you yeah. could be like giving stuff away, uh, or just if not, he's like, into it, we'll have him on at some hell point. Hell yeah! And with all that said, I think we're gonna call it a show. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, thank you, Lorraine, for hanging out. Always talking to me about video games. Yeah. Thank you, Colette, our cat, for being relatively good. She's being so <laughs> sweet. She's just hanging out. Uh, thank you out there for watching, watching, for listening. For uh, watching. Yeah, if you want to wa- you watch some of the stuff we do, you can find <laughs> Cubicorn Games on YouTube and Twitch. Yeah. Where we stream and post archives of those streams. You can find our games on Steam by searching for Cubicorn Games. We really appreciate you itch. checking that stuff out. At least down the drain. I don't. Cucumber had a page. I don't know if there's. It a doesn't have an itch page right now. Okay. I still will do one at some point. I, it did. I don't know. I Who knows it. what anything is anymore? I sure don't. Um, don't listen to me. If you have an indie game you'd like us to check out, mm-hmm. email us at podcast at cubicorngames.com. Do that. We have at least one thing that somebody has sent me that we will check out in the next month or so. Maybe the second thing we've actually been like. I think we've gotten email? two or three requests. Yeah. Uh, and I'm always into more. <laughs> like yeah. I said, that makes my job easier because one of the barriers to not playing as much stuff as I'd like on stream is that it is just hard to go curate yeah, stuff. The time sink of so like people send me interesting games. Through things yeah, if people send me interesting rough. games. I don't need to go find them on my own. It's true. Uh, and yeah, and you can you can subscribe to this podcast pretty much wherever podcasts mm-hmm. can be found. So, with all that said, thank you for hanging out. Hell yeah! Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. And we will be back with more podcast in the future. Woo! Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.